There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Policy Forum Pod, the podcast for those who want to dig a little deeper into the region's public policy challenges. I'm Martin Pierce. Policy Forum Pod is based at Crawford School of Public Policy, the region's leading graduate policy school. You can find out more about us at crawford.anu.edu.au. I'm on solo hosting duties again this week. Sharon is still off doing fieldwork. So hello, Sharon, wherever you are in the world. And this week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to feature a short talk by one of the world's leading experts on water and environmental management. The talk is a short answer to a very big question. And that question is, how can we create a world without hunger? Along the way, we're going to hear about a whole host of related issues, including population growth, water management, food wastage, the role of China, GMO technology, and even obesity. The speaker we have is a guest we've had on the podcast before, Asset Biswas. Asset is a distinguished visiting professor at the Lee Kuan Yew School for Public Policy in Singapore. For those who haven't heard of Asset, he is widely acknowledged as one of the world's leading authorities on water and environmental management. He's been senior advisor to 20 governments, six heads of United Nations agencies, two secretary generals of the OECD, and many other major organisations. He's authored or edited 84 books. He's published well over 650 scientific and technical papers. What you'll hear today is an abridged version of a talk asset prepared for the International Commission on Irrigation and Drainage. It's well worth a listen, and I will be really interested to hear your thoughts. A quick reminder, we'd love to get you, our listeners, involved in this podcast, and we've set up an email specifically for this purpose. So if you've got any thoughts, questions, or comments, or even topics you'd like us to cover, send them through to us at podcast at policyforum.net. Alternatively, you can share your thoughts with us on Twitter, where we are Apps Policy Forum, or find us on Facebook, where we are Asia-Pacific Policy Society. If you're listening to this pod on iTunes and you're enjoying it, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It helps hugely in getting the word out about the podcast. I'll be back after we've heard from Asset with some thoughts, but for now, let's hear what he's got to say. We now have a population of about 7.3 billion people. Almost 900 million are hungry. In addition, between now and 2050, we expect the global population to increase to 9.5 billion people. So the question comes, how do we feed not only the existing population with a good, nutritious food, but also take care of the future people who are likely to be here from now till 2050? 
Faced with this, we should also consider some other constraints. First, amount of land that could be brought under cultivation or irrigation is very limited. There's no way we can have enough land available now which would be used to be used for agriculture. Second, even if the land is available, which it is not, we don't have enough water as it is for two reasons. First, the world's water management has been extremely poor and not, not only in the most advanced countries of the world like US, but also in the developing world as well. And second, the quality of water is becoming worse and worse with time and we cannot continue irrigating with poor quality water. Now, the, the question then comes, how do we solve the world's hunger problem? Right now, as I mentioned, one in nine people goes to bed hungry. And surprisingly, between 2016 and 2017, number of hungry people, instead of declining as we had seen the decade before, the number has actually started going up. This is because of a variety of reasons, political unrest with refugees, climatic refugees, whole variety of reasons the number of hungry people is increasing in the world. But the biggest question is how do we solve the problem? And here is my suggestion is we should take a look outside the box. And what do I mean by outside the box? Outside the box means so far we have been fixing our aim to produce enough food, more and more food, uh, what we call through horizontal expansion of agriculture. Since the land is not available, nor water is available, or, and reliable availability of water is becoming more and more problem because of extreme climatic conditions, problem becomes even more acute. As you may know, South Africa, the state of Cape Town, in mid-April, will run out of water. This is drinking water, not irrigation water. If a city of 4 million people cannot provide its inhabitants, with water to drink, how can we make sure that agriculture, which now uses nearly 70% of all water, can be sustained? Uh, not only sustained, but also we can increase the availability of water so that more food could be produced. So we have to think of other solutions, and I would like to suggest a few other ways we can do that. One, we have to start thinking of vertical expansion. For example, let's take two Asian countries, India and China. If we can increase India's yield per hectare to that of China, forget that of United States or Japan, of that of another developing country in China, India's food production can be doubled. And if India's food production can be doubled without any extra land, that makes the problem much simpler to uh, handle. And there is no reason why India cannot double its food production by 2030 to the same level of yield as in China. It's doable, eminently doable. It doesn't need any land. In fact, I would argue that by 2030, the Chinese will be using 30% less water than they currently use for agriculture without sacrificing any yield. And this has been the case globally if we look the amount of water that has been used for agriculture, the percentage-wise, it has been declining for the last 15 to 20 years. And it will continue to go on declining because simply there's no more extra water is available. And also people are becoming aware that agricultural water use is really too much and it needs to be reduced. Now, how do we do that? So once we increase the production, that means we produce more food in the same amount of land. Second, 
we make sure the food produced is actually goes to the human being who need the food. Now, again, let's take a look at in India and China. The problem is now the amount of food produced in Asian countries, roughly 30% of the cereals, 30 to 35% of cereals that are actually produced never reach the consumers. And you might ask why? It is because of during the harvest time, harvesting is not proper. There's no proper place to store it. Tremendous losses in transportation from one place to another. And by the time it goes to the market, 30% of the grain is lost. If we look at the vegetables, the situation is even worse. According to the Indian Minister of Agriculture, who said about three or four years ago in the parliament, half of India's vegetable grown never reaches the consumer. So the question is, how do we stop this enormous waste of cereals and vegetables? If we can stop that, then we can feed few hundreds of million people more without more land or more water. Then we have to start thinking of what else we can do. And the issue is different. Now, if I look at China's current plan, China has actually a very good plan for food security. If you ask somebody what China's future plan, I think that China's food security plan, its leaders have decided that by increasing the connectivity with the Asian countries, especially the Central Asian countries, China does not have to produce as much food. As the connectivity increases between China and the Central Asian countries, food produced in the Central Asian countries can come to China. Now, these countries are surplus in food. The marketing is not possible. So it will be win-win situation. Central Asian countries and other Asian countries who are producing more food can export it to the places where it needed. And the places where they cannot grow enough food because of land and water constraint, they don't have to use land and water to produce, produce food. And so this Belt and Road Initiative, one of the my personal thinking, and I've been advising the Chinese government since 1983 when Deng Xiaoping invited me to Beijing to take a look at China's South to North water transfer. I've been looking at what is their plan. Their plan is actually much more serious than any other Asian countries I've seen, except perhaps of Singapore. China now plans to be self-sufficient in food, not by producing food in the country itself, but making sure what they cannot produce is available from other countries, importing food from various countries, diversify the sources as a result of which they can have enough food for 1.3 billion people, uh, which is quite a large number of people, enormous amount of food. It needs planning, it needs thinking. Also, the other interesting thing is we are now seeing a revolution in, in the way food is produced. And the revolution is taking place unlike in the past, not in the research laboratories of the government and international institutions, but in the private sector. Private sector is now well ahead of most of the research institutions, public research institutions. They are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to develop new variety of seeds which could grow under drought conditions, seeds which could grow under saline water, and seeds which could survive under flood water. Rice which could stay under flood water for three to four weeks. Normal rice will be a dead loss if it stays under flood water for three to four weeks. But new varieties of rice that are coming out can stay easily within three to four weeks under water and uh, flood water and losses will be minimal, maybe eight to 10% compared to net loss. We are seeing tremendous changes in genetic modification of food. 
And now most of us don't look into the business part of what is happening in the world. If you look at the business side, what is what the Chinese are doing is buying the biggest agro-industrial groups. China has just completed buying Syngenta of Switzerland. Syngenta is one of the world's largest agro-industry research group doing genetic modification seeds and a whole variety of other advanced technology as a result of which we can grow more food, significantly more food in the same land. Uh, they are developing pest-resistant crops. They have developed and developing more pest-resistant crops so that less and less food will be lost to the pests. So as a result of which, again, because of scientific and technological developments, we'll have the same amount of land, same amount of water, but we can have significantly larger uh, production of food. So one aspect will be to look at how, as we have done in the past 100 years, thinking only expand agriculture to increase food production, to look at how we can use the same land and water but still increase food production and have food availability very, very significantly. And the last point I want to make is, on the one hand in the world now, we're finding hungry people. As I mentioned, one in nine people now go hungry to bed every day. At the same time, we are seeing another mammoth problem in the world. The problem is now, along with the hunger, we are seeing continuously poor nutrition as a result of the increase in obesity of the people. Surprisingly, a lot of this obesity is taking place in the developing world, in addition to, of course, the developed world. The 10 most obese countries of the world are the South Pacific Island. After that, we see the 10 to 20. Uh, in fact, in the South Pacific, uh, the Pacific Islands, in number 1 to 10, the obesity rate now goes from about 63% of the population to the 10th one, so it's about 42%. The next 10 most obese countries, interestingly, are countries of the Middle East and North Africa. Except United States, which at number 12 is 36% of the people are obese, and it is becoming more obese with time. In the developed countries, we are now seeing two things concurrently. One, people are going hungry, and second, obesity is increasing uh, very, very significantly. Fortunately, in Asia, it's not so bad. Uh, obesity in, uh, in Asian countries, most Asian countries, is less than 10. If we talk of China, India, we're talking less than 6%. Singapore, the same. But the problem is we are now changing our lifestyle. The food prices compared to our income has steadily come down. So access to food is often not the problem, but the question of getting good, nutritious food. So the future problem will be in the area of food twofold. How do we make sure people don't go to bed hungry? And also, how do we make sure people are not obese? And here, we as water experts will play an important role but not as we think ourselves that the food production depends only on water and land. That is a mindset we have to discard uh, in the near future. So my message to you is uh, very simple. The time has come in the 21st century now to look at to solve world's water, land, and the food problem by not looking at the traditional way, but by looking at how we can solve the problem realistically and within the next 20 to 30 years. It can be done. We cannot solve the world's hunger problem within the next 20 or 30 years, but there's no question we can significantly reduce it. Even the population, global population will go up. I have no doubt by 2050, number of hungry people will be significantly less than what it is at now 
even though world population will be significantly more than what it is now. So my suggestion to you is let's all work together to look for new ways to solve the problem. And that's the only way we can solve the problem. That was Professor Asset Biswas from the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. So what did you think of his talk today? What do you think we need to do to create a world without hunger? And indeed, is that even possible? Let us know your thoughts. We'll do our best to discuss them on upcoming podcasts. You can email us at podcast at policyforum.net. That's podcast at policyforum.net. As I mentioned in the last few episodes, Policy Forum Pod is soon to have two new hosts, well, at least for the next couple of weeks. I run a media practicum course here at Crawford School, and over the next fortnight, two of the students in that course, Maya and Sean, are going to be taking up the reins on the podcast. Maya's going to be up first, and she's going to be taking a look at Australia's new Department of Home Affairs and all the benefits and pitfalls of merging Australia's intelligence, border force, and security agencies into one mega department should be a really interesting podcast if you've got any questions about that topic don't hesitate to send them in you can email podcast at policyforum.net you can find us on twitter where we are apps policy forum or find us on facebook where we are asia pacific policy society i'll be back soon with another podcast but until then cheerio ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com